0: Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com slash equip. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB blends accuracy and readability, giving pastors a translation they can trust and lay people a Bible they can enjoy. Find out more at CSBible.com.
1: There's a pine warbler sitting on a hollow limb. He seems to have the whole morning out right in front of him. And everything he sings from the branch that he's sitting on, it seems to hustle leaves and the colors all around. Now, first he sings and then he goes. And what it means. It's hard to know!
0: You're listening to Cultivated, conversations about faith and work. I'm Mike Cosper, and on today's episode I'm continuing my conversation with Phil Cagney, considered by many to be one of the world's great guitarists. We'll talk about the time he met Paul McCartney, we'll hear his thoughts on life as a Christian artist, and he'll share what he hopes for the church in a time and a culture like ours. Stay with us. If you haven't heard it yet, you should probably go back and listen to the first episode of this interview, where Phil tracks his career from the 1960s up through the 80s. We're picking it up on this episode around the 90s, which is actually when I first discovered Phil. I can remember being about 15 years old, struggling to learn to play the guitar, when somebody first handed me one of his acoustic records. It blew my mind. I couldn't imagine how he got those sounds out of an acoustic guitar, and years later, it still seems miraculous. Like I said, I discovered this stuff in the 90s. And as Phil describes it, that was a time that brought him back to the acoustic guitar as his primary instrument. As a guitar player, to listen to that record for the first time, this is before there were YouTube videos and things where you could see what people are doing. Just the sounds you were getting out of the instrument baffled me. Like, what on earth is he even Hmm. doing? Um, Because I didn't know, like, Michael Hedges or any of those guys Mm -hmm. that had done any of the similar
1: kind of, and, and know, even style better, at all. Michael Hedges was a better guitar player than me. <laughs> oh, by far on acoustic. Thing is, I grew up with a, all these other influences. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't become a specialist in one style.
0: No, your your records range. I mean, there's a, such a wide range. I mean, you did a you did. I know your classical record really well. Um Lights of Madrid. Lights of Madrid, yeah.
1: Yeah, unfortunately the record company owns that one. I can't get that one. <laughs> Beyond nature, they have that too. Do they? Yeah. yeah. What
0: are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But yeah, I mean just hearing you talk about these different influences
1: from you know, from Elvis Presley to Classical and English folk guitarists. But I also listened to, you know, Pat Metheny and Alan and, yeah I mean, I, I went dabbling off into that world sure. tonality-wise, you know. And I, I took great joy. You know, I think there's a thread throughout all the years of my playing. If you listen to something on the last album I did, in fact, the last album I just finished was with Jeff Johnson. It's called Cappadocia or Cappadocia. Eddie, how do you pronounce it?
0: Probably incorrectly. Cappadocia.
1: Cappadocia. And it's eight pieces. That's our third album together. Yeah. And I absolutely love this music. But there is uh, moments where I'm literally quoting myself Hmm. from the early days. I love doing that. In fact, I wrote a song once, West King and Scott Dente. The album's called Invention. Yeah. And there's a tune on there called Quote Jester. The (laughs) Quote Jester instead of the Court Jester. The Quote Jester is me because... Uh, someone was re- someone in Cleveland was reviewing Beyond Nature when it came out, and they took a jab at me because I I, qu- I did a, a riff that was uh, let me let me get a guitar and I'll I'll play yeah, it please. please. Um, because I did a riff from a glass harp song, they probably felt you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't quote. Glass harp because for
0: for know. the guitar geeks that are listening to us, I should say you just pulled out one of the most beautiful Olsons I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. so.
1: <laughs> no more talking. Well uh <laughs> I I I I, uh, I feel quite at home with this instrument. Jim Olsen gave me this guitar. Did he really? Yeah. That's beautiful. You know, I I played it. I played his guitars through the eighties and the nineties and to, this day, to mm-hmm. this day. And he sold many guitars because yeah. someone saw me play one of his guitars, so I'm sure. God's blessed him, you know. And he blessed me. Yeah. Isn't that great how that can work out? So anyway, the that glass harp song was a simple acoustic song when You know? So then on on Beyond Nature I had this song that has So why would somebody say, well, there's a song on Beyond Nature where he's actually lifting and and stealing from himself, you know, a a little riff from a glass harp song. I took it further and make a pretzel chord like this. I like that. (laughs) It's kind of fun. And he likes it. Well, anyway, yeah, Beyond Nature's... uh, Special, you know, um, I have a mix of that album without the strings and flutes and whatever. Just the raw guitar tracks. I might edit that because sometimes the songs are a bit long and they repeat themselves a bit. And I might condense it and do a condensed Reader's Digest or Listener's Digest version of it, Yeah. and see if I can release that. I would love to combine that with other songs that I love mm-hmm. that are of that genre, which I still write to this day. I, I do alternate tuning still. Mm-hmm. There was an album uh, after uh, Beyond Nature, <laughs> Crimson and Blue, and we got all back in the studio with the amps and the vintage guitars and yeah. just did a crazy jamming album. And the drummer was John from Glass Harp on okay. Crimson and Blue. So there's that element, you know, Yeah, f- there's that amazing drive like on on the song. Uh, you know? I hear all the fish comedy, and riddle make light of a grave situation You know, you know You know, and John's just rocking on the drums, you know So But anyway, I get excited when I'm, I get thinking about those days I'm know? sure, I'm sure But you know, since those days, you know, I've, I'm winding down so. <laughs> I still make music, uh but you go ahead. No, I'd, I'd love to hear
0: the way you think about... Uh, <laughs> I could just listen to you play guitar. I, I would
1: rather. <laughs> I'd rather than talk about
0: myself. No, I'd, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how you... What effect or, or what do you feel like maybe the, the way your faith has shaped the way you think about music and the way you think about art?
1: Well, that's a good question, Mike. I, I would say that my faith is shaped... Me more as, a, uh, uh, as an instrumentalist, I can sing. You know, I'm not a great singer, but I've sung and I've made half as many vocal albums as I've made instrumental albums. In fact, the in- instrumentals caught up to the vocal albums because I just love to hear music without words. Mm. I think something that is more uni- uniquely me comes through the instrumental part mm. of me. Because when I sing, I'm I'm basically, I know I've got this voice that has its own tone. But I also, through the years, try to emulate my heroes, you know, McCartney and Harrison. And, and I can't really sing like much of anybody else. But my faith has shaped my life and my view of how I live, how I treat my wife, my, my kids, the kind of father I wanted to be, how... I revere my friendships and how, mm. thank God, you know, most of the friends I had in the 60s and early 70s, I still have those friends. Huh. And I don't like burning bridges, you know, I don't like doing that. We've had disagreements with friends and people along the way. I've had many managers, you know, uh, some people have just been right there with us throughout the whole thing, like Holly Beniuski, who was my booking agent, still is one of our dearest friends. And we still work together. How it's shaped I mean, I think I've had a lot of help from my friends, collaborations, poetry, you know. Uh I went as far as being as bold to put one of C. S. Lewis's poems to music, as The Ruin Falls, which was on the Love Broke Through album. Beautiful poem. And then there's this young twenty five year old guy who's got a voice of a fifteen year old that was me <laughs> in nineteen seventy six. Trust me, I sound like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's meant as a compliment. Oh, sure. thank you, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I do. You know, I people tell me that. You know, and my singing voice is easier than my speaking voice. But I, I, I'm going to keep on doing it. I've got to play tomorrow night in Cleveland, uh, and I'm I'm actually a bit more trepidated. Is that a word? Sure. You know, let's make it one. Let's make it one. You know, about playing live. I mean, I mean. You, when you're starting out, you're you know you're, you're a little bit timid, you're, you're you know, nervous and scared. And then you go through years where you you just got this confidence, you know. And mm-hmm. then you come to these these years. I'm in. Yeah. I'm 67. I go, mm, can I do that? Can I remember that? And, but I get up there and it's okay. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. You know, as long as <laughs> we can make that happen. But I feel more nervous. You know, I feel a little bit more nervous about it. Hmm. So what I have to do is just settle in and just be myself. Mm-hmm. And my faith influences how I'm going to be. In fact, I think I'm better on stage than I was when I was half my age, when I, my, something went wrong with the PA and I'd get upset, or my guitar gear wasn't working. Yeah. If that stuff doesn't happen now, it doesn't bum me out. For some reason, I go, well there's something else we can do here. Right. <laughs> Why don't we just hang? Maybe I'll share a few simple songs. If I can't loop, it's okay. Yeah. I've got some songs I love that don't require any of that yeah. nonsense. Yeah, yeah. My favorite guitar players don't use loopers, by the way. Huh? You know? Who are some of your favorites? <laughs> who are your, who are your, big, your biggest influences?
0: Um, we talked about Hedges. I'm, yeah, I'm Michael sure Hedges. I, I'm
1: moved every time I hear him play, God rest his soul. I, I, I have high respect for uh, Pat Metheny. I once met him, asked him a question at a guitar workshop. Mm. He did a clinic. And I said I didn't understand one of his jazz albums. He goes, well, it's it's, it's obvious you don't understand jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I totally agreed with him <laughs> <laughs> that he's still a hero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting thing, you know. I mean, he's a knowledgeable, intelligent guitar player. I, yes, I, I appreciate know. I appreciate guitar players that are like that, mm-hmm. you know, like the Wes Montgomery's and the Joe Pass, you know, people that can play like that. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend Mike Pacelli, uh, who produced Stay Home Baby on the last album, he just did a new album called Impressions, and he's playing all these guys' mm. songs, Django, Reinhardt and all that, and he can do it. I go, how do you do that? Ellen Holdsworth was amazing, but it was like, having a conversation or listening to a spaceman, you know, I mean, he he came from another planet with his ideas of how he played, but I loved some of the expressions. Uh, John Renborn, I mentioned Bloomfield. I I, I went to see Jeff Beck a few times. I am blown away by what he does still, you know, quirky and fun. Yeah. You know, and all these guys have somehow, you know, influenced me. But what comes out is me.
0: Before we get back to the episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB captures the Bible's original meaning without compromising clarity. An optimal blend of accuracy and readability, this translation helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is for everyone—for readers young and old, new and seasoned. It's a Bible pastors can preach from, and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Reading your Bible shouldn't feel like a chore— Learn more at csbible.com. Also, we have some important news for Cultivated listeners. The response to this season's been great, and we're really excited about the feedback we're getting for the show. And because of that, we want to keep Cultivated running year-round. So we're not going to do seasons anymore. We're just going to try to consistently release podcasts throughout the year. In order to pull that off, though, we're going to transition to releasing episodes every other week. That'll help us maintain a healthy production schedule and continue to get content out on time so if you're not subscribed already go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and in two weeks when we drop our next episode with our next guest russ moore it'll be right there for you when you wake up on a tuesday morning all right back to the show so there's this legend you'll hear if you talk much or read much about phil Kage. supposedly somebody asked Jimi hendrix what it was like to be the greatest guitar player in the world and he responded i don't know ask phil Kage. and to be fair to the legend This would have been around 1968, when Phil was a 17-year-old phenom playing like this. So, you know, it's not entirely implausible. Now, I've heard several different versions of this story. In the different versions, the quote's attributed to either Jimi Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen or Eric Clapton, so it seems more like myth than truth to me. But I decided to ask Phil if he knew about it, surely he's heard the quote, and if he had any idea where this story came from.
1: That's like saying the earth is flat. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? What are you saying? Yeah. I think a, I think it was a, a concert promoter that okay. decided to say make something up right. and the, <laughs> and the, that's what I think happened. He needed ticket sales weren't going so good. Right. So, so that's where it came that's from. That's where I think it came from. Yeah. My personal opinion because uh Jimi Hendrix passed away while we were recording our al- first album at Electric Lady Studio where he had recorded. Sure. But, uh, but there's really no way he would have come to a glass harp show. Sure. And we hadn't done our album yet. Sure. And if, any, if he would have heard it, he'd go, <laughs> pass. <laughs> there's nothing too innovative, huh? This little guy huh. with his high squeaky voice. Uh, no, I don't think he would have heard it. Uh, no. Okay. But I was listening to him. Yeah. Oh, and I sure. thought he was a, a pioneer. Yeah. Fabulous. No doubt. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, his music took me many places. In terms of Eddie Van Halen, no way. Uh, Eric Clapton, <laughs> no way even more. Linda McCartney did say to a friend of mine, because went, went, I, I played in a wedding for Linda McCartney's sister oh, wow. in 1990, the same year I did Beyond Nature. fact, it was just a month before I started recording Beyond Nature in okay. uh, September 90. Linda's sister, Laura, worked at CBN in Virginia Beach and a Christian lady and fantastic person. Uh, We became friends, and when she fell in love with her fiancé, then they made plans to get married. They asked me and Bernadette to be a part of the wedding, and would I sing a few songs in the wedding? I was the only musician, vocalist in the entire Wedding, about 45 people attended, attended. So she, we we went through the songs, and she chose the tunes and one instrumental piece uh, from The Wind and the Wheat. And uh, um, Paul, she said, oh, by the way, Paul and Linda and all the kids are in the wedding party. I go, thanks. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot for telling me. Gee. Yeah. So there was the rehearsal dinner, and they were there at their you know, brother's house in the Hamptons, and so Linda said, "Oh yes, I think we have your music in our house." and That's what she said, and Paul just smiled and you know, gosh, this is surreal, because I had I was a huge Beatle fan, and collected a lot of his own solo stuff through the years, and so, so he said the last thing he said after dinner, he goes, "Now tomorrow, just have fun with it and be of good voice," you know. <laughs> and uh, i said okay thanks so <laughs> wedding comes along there's only one microphone for the guitar and the voice Well church pa you know yeah. nothing fancy no effects no plug-in you know just right. real raw i did these songs and and afterwards he says you did a fine job you uh you have a nice voice and you remind me a bit of james taylor oh no nice. but uh, that's what he said and um uh, and then we had there was reception dinner and uh we got talking about music and our influences and we talked about 50s kind yeah. of similar to our conversation. And uh I thought that was kind of neat. But then a picture was taken. Berna took a picture of us playing guitars. And we did that for 20 minutes, can you believe it? Wow. And he wanted to stay and do that, but he had to be tugged away and huh. I had to be tugged away uh to go to the dinner, right? Reception dinner. We could have just hung out because mm. I think it was cool. And we were only playing his tunes. Yeah. Like a little bit of a Blackbird and put it there and uh, and a little 12-bar jam. And, you know, we were just having fun. And Jim Olsen gave him a left-handed guitar I delivered to him. Did you really? hmm Yeah. He wanted him to have a guitar. I said, you're going to meet McCartney. I got this left-handed guitar that the guy couldn't pay for. Huh. I can't play it he says, <laughs> would you like to give it to him I said well I'll ask yeah. and I went through protocol and all the sure. stuff but Burn took a couple pictures and you could find it on the internet but uh, it's really cool it's like 28 years ago and uh, I was already beginning to go gray and start losing hair I was already becoming a little old man <laughs> at that time <laughs>
0: It felt remarkable to me to sit across from Phil and talk to him about a career that stretched back for 50 years. And seriously, 50 years later, he's still going at it, and he's still going strong. This is a track from a record he released in 2016. Feel what kind of counsel he might have for Christians who are thinking about trying to make a career in the arts, or who are trying to use their gifts and steward them well? What, after all these years, has kept him faithful? What would he counsel them to pursue?
1: Just like your own personal faith is important to get along with God, you know, just really to have quiet, take in, you know, pray, read, uh-huh. read some scripture, get inspired by, by uh, inspiration Inspiration itself, I think it's good to get that time alone to to be with your instrument mm. and just uh, lovingly put your heart into it. Mm. You know, be patient with yourself. You know, treat yourself like you would someone you totally respect. Mm. And and then don't beat yourself up. and Don't over... Crit- Critique yourself to the point where you you can't even move forward. You know, take up a little, take a chunk. You know, and work on a bit, work on a piece of song. If you can't write a song, maybe go back and forth with a few chords and just save that Mm -hmm. for maybe you could join it to another thought. You know, but practice I think is important. I practice less than I used to, Uh and sometimes it really shows. You know, but I keep a guitar nearby pretty much always. And I would rather play guitar than watch TV. Uh, I would rather play guitar than listen to some music, you know, that's in the house. You know, my wife loves to cook to music, and she loves all kinds of music, you know. And she likes jazz, and she likes stuff like you know, "Sleeping at Last" and that that genre. Oh yeah, which is beautiful stuff. That is, yeah. But sometimes I've got my little space downstairs, and I'll go down there and I'll just play, and maybe something will come to me. Um, I don't write as many vocal songs as I used to because it's like, hasn't it been said mm. so many times in so much better ways than I could do? Huh. Sometimes you have to do that just for you. Uh, don't do it thinking, hmm, I might make a living at this because you might not make a living at it. Yeah. But it's it's what doors and windows open up for you possibly along the way that might be a break or might be a place where you can find purpose and employment and creativity, inspiration, uh, and and uh, projects and collaborations, like I said. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for those people that encouraged me when I was a youngster and hung in there with me mm. and kind of got what I was doing. And I was never mainstream. Never mainstream Christian, never mainstream secular, mm. mainstream music, you know. I just had this little niche, and I've had a lot of good friends along the way that provided a, a way for me to be creative and work and do concerts, record. And I've been an indie artist now for, I guess, 16 years now, mm. and I still do stuff, uh, um, just not as often. But I'm still doing it, you know? Yeah. And I think a youngster, what they need is someone to say, hey, don't give up, keep at it. The idea of those 10,000 hours or practice, 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 uh, practice makes perfect. Yeah. You were asking me about other guitar players. Some new guitar players I've discovered, like Shane Hennessy. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of him? Uh-huh. Irish guy. Yeah. Incredible. He is twenty-four years old and I can't even do half of what he does. <laughs> and I'm what, three times his age? I don't know. But he's so good. And he makes he plays and he sounds like he's already got the loops going and he's not using a looping machine. Wow. He's got the bass and the rhythm and the lead going at the same time. Kind of a Pete Hutlinger. Okay. You know, uh brilliant. Um uh, you know, uh, just out of
0: curiosity, do yeah. you know the guitar player Jim Campolongo?
1: I've heard of him, but I don't know his music. I've yeah. heard his
0: name mentioned. You should you should check him out. He's okay. not just the master of the Telecaster. Oh, okay. The, the, the stuff he does, the sounds he gets, plugs it straight into a Princeton. That's it. That's it, and it's I mean it is heavenly what what he gets out of that instrument. He just wrangles so many different sounds awesome. out of it, and it's like Johnny cool. Highlands
1: that way too. Yeah yeah but jim capital jim Campalongo. jim Campalongo. i'll email you some links
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. hey
1: i'll have to check him out guys that play like that guys that really can handle those tellies yeah amazing and the b bender and all that stuff right you know james burton was an influence on me too he he was a telly player Hmm. and then jeff beck was in the early days right even jimmy page played telly right Right. until I think Led, Clapton
0: did too. Everybody. Page did. played a telly until Led Zeppelin 3. He didn't, he didn't get the Les Paul until Led Zeppelin 3. That's right. Oh yeah. my God. Those first two records are a, a telly and uh like a Harvard or something. It was just cranked.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, those sounds. Yeah. And, and who else? Bloomfield played telly before he got his Les Paul. Did you, yeah, know that that he Yeah. When he was playing with Dylan, he was playing telly. telly. That makes sense. Makes so, sense. yeah, great guitar. Great guitar. I, on my new album, I played the telly type, which has got that. Aggressive sound, you know, on a couple songs. Yeah, yeah. about three songs I did solos with that. Uh, but uh, when I saw Jeff Beck play uh, one uh, recently here, he played uh, his strat mostly, but he did pull out a telly yeah. as well. That's phenomenal. Well, listen,
0: thank you so much. You've given us a lot of your time. I really appreciate this.
1: Can I really answer your questions? I mean, did I? You did. You totally did. I did? Okay. Is I, there anything I, have a, else? I have a way of going off. No, that's great.
0: You know. These stories are great. Is there <laughs> anything else you'd want to say before we wrap that up? Or?
1: Well, you know, yeah, I, I suppose I could say this. My wife and I, we pray for our country. We pray for our, our community, our city. We pray for the church. And, you know, we pray that there be unity amongst Christians, you know. Um, they may be on different sides of the fence politically and whatever. But if we could really encourage each other to love one another, be patient, kind. And, you know, I'd say let's get back to the Word and hear what Jesus has to say. Yeah. Uh, when someone's going through a lot of confusion or they just don't know if God loves them, I said get, get a modern translation and read the Gospel of John. Hmm. Find out what this is really about and that we could lead a live life of and lead lives of compassion and kindness and patience and and creativity and joy and harmony and fellowship and all the good things that god really created us to exper- experience yeah. and also sometimes it's important to take a stand when something is blatantly wrong you know and but uh i don't know I, I don't go out and do TED Talks, <laughs> good yeah. thing, but I, I do know what I feel down here in my heart and I'm mm-hmm. going to keep at it, keep doing it. Tonight we have a couple friends coming. Ken Mansfield, do you know Ken? I don't. Uh, he wrote a great book called The Beatles, The Bible, and Bodega Bay. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's his story because okay. he, he managed Apple in the U.S. for two years. And he, he's he's a close friend, 82 okay. now, wow. or almost 82. and. He wrote one of the lyrics of one of the songs on the last album, All at Once, called My Guitars in Love. It's a crazy little goofy song. But it's got good licks in it. Yeah. So I want you to hear that. Oh well. Do you have a turntable? We got vinyl. We thought it would sell out you, well, in a couple of months. We still got 200 left. Yeah, and we only ordered like 400. Yeah, we did a
0: <laughs> we did a project a few years ago. I I produced records for our church, and so we did a, a oh, project did. a few years ago that was we recorded to tape and then uh-huh. went to Pro Tools for some editing and things like sure, that, and then sure. mastered to uh, half inch tape or mixed to half inch tape, and then used that to and we did vinyl. So we we tried to be as analog as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we thought the same thing. We thought, oh, these vinyl records, will you know, vinyls like hot. It'll sell like hotcakes. So you
1: initially recorded on two inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we went recorded to through an, of,
0: an old uh, an old Otari uh,
1: sixteen track, and so the process was AAD. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, it was it was
1: ADA. So oh, yeah, back uh, analog to analog to digital, to, back yeah. and then mm-hmm. the the mix down to half inch. And uh, did you hear the Pepper fiftieth anniversary? I haven't. No. It sounds amazing. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, the, the uh, remastered. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, by, by Giles. Right. Okay. My son. Martin. Martin, you know, I I could never stand to listen to it in stereo. Really. Yeah, and I, the mono was always my favorite. Okay. But what, what he think? did was he put what should be essentially mono in the center, and then. You know, even the drums are centered and the bass is good and centered. But all the other stuff is kind of off to the side, you know, like it should be. And um, So it's a whole new mix. Yeah, Yeah. it's all new mixed and it sounds really good. Um, It took him like three years to mix it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah, he he really did good. In fact, you know, I know this is not part of this interview, but She's Leaving Home, Mm -hmm. when it was released in stereo on Capitol, is slower than what the original was. They actually slowed the master down to make it more of a ballad. Oh interesting. And you can hear the difference. But they were geniuses. Yeah. You know oh, Jeff yeah, Emmerich sure. and George Martin and now Giles, he's a genius.
0: Emmerich's book is great. I don't know if you've read it. And here, there and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a great book. I like it. I liked it very much. So uh we we carry on, you yeah. know, we carry on. We keep doing what we do and I I uh I love music so much, you know, and uh, uh, I don't love all music, but I do love not just mine. You know, I'm pretty critical of some of my stuff. I can't listen to some of it, but there's some of it I'm really grateful that I have. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we'll keep rocking. Yeah. I want to say that uh, uh, I don't really have bitterness, you know, over the years. I have more thanks for the goodness of people in my life. And the music industry has changed, you know. Uh, A lot of my contemporary artists and friends, we meet once a month for lunch often. And, uh, you know, we're just all trying to figure out what to do. Right. As long as we can do it, you know. I don't know, to try to, to make a career in this world, you know, I mean, I, I get what the indies were trying to do, you know. I get that, you know. Yeah. And uh, the micros and the 77s and all that. And I never fit into that, you know. And I, like I said, when you first opened, uh, got here, I said, now, why are you interviewing me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I think if we could just accept ourselves for what we can contribute and mm-hmm. be a part of the beautiful tapestry yeah. of it, puzzle you have certainly done that. No, thanks. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You bet. First he sings, and then he goes. And what it means, it's hard to know.
0: Hey, once again, we are switching to a two-week schedule, so we'll see you in two weeks with Russ Moore. Today's episode was produced by me. It was recorded by Eddie Morris. It was edited by Quinette Connor. It was mixed by Mark Owens. The music on today's show was by Phil Kagey and the Glass Harp. Our theme song is by Roman Candle. Special thanks once again to Jeremy Casella for helping to make this episode happen. We'll see you in two weeks.